What is up, everybody? Welcome back. The Orion Podcast is back. It feels like it's been forever since we've seen you. So let's get this thing kicked off, do things right. How about a little intro? nobody to like hate the button welcome back everybody man it feels like it's been forever and it has it has we've been busy zach went to disneyland i went to red crest and we're finally finally back here in the studio after a long time away but we've got a special guest tonight that we're gonna go ahead and hop on here you might know him as the double digit angler multi-time kbf pro series winner one Mr. Dominic Doan. What up? You need to get a button. You need to get a button for your podcast, man. I do. I do. I want to get one of those uh road road stream live um controllers. That there you go. Cool. Yeah, I've not uh, I've not graduated to the controller yet. I've still got the just the road mini. Hey, it you sounds know. great. It sounds great. It's I not like that. It. it does the job, man. For anybody that's looking to start a podcast or interested, I think it's a great start. It's a great kit, man. A little stream yard, a little road mic, and then you're set to go. Yeah, sounds great. So, man, how's uh, how's California's how California weather? Uh California weather is just being bipolar. You know, it's not polar, but it's not. It's definitely. It just has a mind of its own. You know, it's sunny one day and then all of a sudden rain will come in you know it's all over the place i got i got a leak right over there on the um what is it called the door trim right over there that keeps on pouring rain yep dude like you probably didn't even know you had it i've heard like that's like actually a big thing because like there's wasn't rain for so long like people's roofs and stuff had gone bad and they didn't even know because you guys had been in such a dry dry spell yeah there's a lot of con- construction going on around the the apartment that i'm in but but mm-hmm. hey we'll make do man nothing nothing a rag can't handle you know <laughs> rags and buckets <laughs> exactly <laughs> so man like one of the things that we do t- for this orion podcast is we always kind of like to intro uh, let our guests kind of tell the story on how they got started into fishing how they fell in love with the outdoors so you know, with that in mind, I'd, I'd like to do the same for you and kind of kind of give us a back story and kind of preface, you know, how you found yourself here in, in the fishing world. 
All right. So let's go all the way back. Take us way back. As far back as you want to go. We're going to go way back. So I live near a lake or a pond made specifically just for kids. So 13 years and younger, I believe. It was called Choice Lake over in San Diego. And my dad, my mom, and all my siblings, we would go hiking there. And we'd see like bobbers in line on the floor with like little tiny hooks. Mm -hmm. So that's when I pretty much got hooked. My dad introduced me to catfishing, but he didn't really enjoy every single trip because I would always get snagged up. Right. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But surely, nonetheless, there was one day where I had my ugly stick and 20 pound test and I cast it out there. And I felt like it was a snag. And then mm-hmm. I handed handed my rod over to my dad. And he was like, oh, man, snag again. Come on, you know. <laughs> and he reels. And then he starts reeling it in. And he's like, no, this is a fish. So he hands it over to me. And I could barely reel that sucker in. Oh, but there's an old picture that I have in my, uh, my parents' album of like a, I'd say a 20-inch catfish. That was easily over six pounds. And that's when I got hooked to fishing. And then not soon after that, but when my parents moved out to Santa Rosa, California, I went over to a creek called Yorty Creek. And back then I really had nothing to do, nothing better to do except for get into cars and, and motorcycles and stuff that would always get me in trouble. But I had my little trout rod with a little spinner on it and I cast it out towards the riprap of Yorty Creek. And then all of a sudden it just went and it was like a three pound largemouth. And I was after that trip, I got to say every week I was at the tackle shop asking, Hey, what, what works? How do I get into bass fishing and et cetera. Mm -hmm. And and the guys over at the outdoor pro shop over in Ronart Park introduced me to everything. There's there's a guy, there's a gentleman by the name of Mike. When I was, I'd say, 10 or 15 years ago, when I was new to bass fishing, he literally gave me a free cron arc, a free float tube, a pump, flippers, and everything to, to get myself introduced into bass fishing. He even gave me a GL2 um g loomis crankbait rod to get started and that's not a bad start since that day man i got to give it up to mike and and when i came came back to clear lake and i visited ronart park on the way back and i saw mike over at ronart park the outdoor pro shop he recognized me instantly and i don't know that bond that we have and uh how he introduced me and was so friendly to get me into bass fishing you know, that's 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 one of the greatest things about the sport of bass fishing. Oh, yeah. And that's how I got into uh, bass fishing pretty much back in 2007. Yeah. So so like you found yourself in a float tube, obviously, at the, at the start here. So yeah. where where did the transition um, from float tube to kayak kind of happen for you? So <clears throat> I was watching a YouTube video earlier and it is so true that sometimes you got to let go things that you love 
and sooner or later, if, if that love is meant to be, it comes right back to you. Right. So oh, yeah. back in 2008, uh, 2007, I got rookie of the year for Santa Clara, uh, Santa count. Wait, what was it? Sonoma County belly boat bass club? Mm -hmm. And it was a float tube and pontoon boat club only. And it was one of the Bassmaster chapters. And that club taught me almost everything <clears throat> I needed to know without a graph, everything. And, um, I took a short little, I took a long break actually after fishing 2007, 2008 religiously i was almost mm. i almost found myself at clear lake on a pontoon boat for almost like 200 days of the year oh man and then uh shortly after i tried getting on the boat bass boat scene a little bit but i found that i was running too much compared to fishing so mm -hmm. after that i took a break i took a long break and then here and there i would i would visit the lake and try to try to fish socal and it was totally different like right. you can't fish your 20 pound test line well you can for those swim baiters and a riggers but back then i was like 20 pound test everything jig fisherman because back mm -hmm. back in the days clear lake all you would fish is a jig but i kept on watching these videos of fishermen um and i saw greg blanchard on on uh, youtube yeah. yeah and and uh during covid i was like you know what it's about time i buy a kayak so right. my first kayak was a 106 pdl i got it for 1200 dollars mm -hmm. second hand and i was just working over at uh one of the little ponds that i lived nearby and hooked a couple five pounders and then i instantly got hooked again uh, I found my love again for bass fishing and, and now here I am pretty much. I, I switched over partly because, because of Greg Blanchard, he was a great mm -hmm. influence in my life. And, and I kept on watching his clear Lake and Delta videos. And I was like, I want to compete at that level. I want to compete at that level. And not only do I want to do that, I want to take back, take it back all the way from 2007 when I tried to do video content creating on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to continue that journey, resume that journey, uh, starting, I believe, uh, I think it was 2020 or 2022 during COVID. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So yeah. like starting out and getting back into the tournament scene, I mean, what does, what does the tournament scene, look like in california i know it's a little bit different than mm. here in the um, tennessee river i guess you should yeah. say heartland you know in the midwest i mean you guys got a little bit different setup out there right definitely so our lake's a little bit smaller than of course the tennessee <laughs> river right oh, yeah. um and and i got my fair comparison because the last two years i've traveled uh, tremendously across the country every year i made it a point to kind of compete at a national level by traveling from all over from california to cattle lake mm -hmm. and kentucky lake and okay. it is tremendously different um here over in socal you have a pond or you don't have a pond but you have a lake and pretty much you could wrap around almost every single lake and cover the whole entire lake, not every piece of the bank, but you mm -hmm. can run across the whole entire lake and then run back and you'll be fine. 
on, right. on batteries. Um, versus, you know, we got the Delta that you might right. need two batteries for the Delta, um, but you won't run into that problem until you start going up north. So down in SoCal, no problem. 100 amp hour, you can get through the day, no problem. Uh, when you when you hit the Delta or Clear Lake, you might want to add a little bit of juice to your boat just in case. Right. But um, how they do that when when the water when, when the lakes fish small, we usually have like a max capacity of like fifty kayakers. Mm -hmm. But some clubs we pull around 76, 76 okay. to to eighty kayakers down south of um, California. But when you go up north. That's when you get the big boy tournaments, when mm -hmm. you get 120, 150 kayakers all in one water. Wow. And usually they'll host that over at Clear Lake. They'll open up uh, many launch ramps, mm -hmm. and uh, usually they host it at uh, the Delta as well. But, yeah, I mean, I ran into a little bit, you know, you, we always got to adjust to strategy, and sometimes you'll pull 120 boats on a smaller little lake, for instance, Folsom. Mm -hmm. um, and then you got to just adjust your strategy and figure out where you want to go um, and uh, how you want to cover water and, and kind of like measure the distance between spot from spot. Okay, cool. Yeah. So when you're out there and you're fishing, I mean, obviously it's a lot clearer water and you guys are chasing some pretty daggone big fish out there. Oh, yeah. I've got to assume the name double digit angler comes from somewhere. No, you know, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a true phony right there. You know, oh, I, man. I made that up. Um, uh, when I resumed my content creation, so I do not have a double digit under my belt, but if you believe in yourself and you and you put yourself in that potential, double digit land area i feel like everybody's a double digit angler trying to fish yeah. for that double digit i'm not i'm not i'm not um claiming that i caught one i'm just always trying to catch a double digit every single time usually not during a tournament but every single time when i'm doing those monthlies that's all mm -hmm. i'm thinking about you know i'm i'm chucking a hog farmer a rig double a rig trying to catch that you know that double digit that everybody's chasing and i'm pretty sure it's it's the same reason for everybody that gets into bass fishing they're trying to catch that double digit bass oh, you know 100 man if I it mean, ever I... if it ever is a large mouth or if it's an eight pound spotted bass or a nine pound spotted bass i mean you name it it's it's a life-changing life-changing moment that's uh, i think 10 if to get to double digits to get to 10 i think for mm -hmm. pretty i'm gonna say pretty much everybody and i'm gonna call it the upper 85 to 90 percent of us that have never busted 10 that's the holy grail yeah it is uh, if you it can is. if you can bust 10 i feel like you know that's that's quite possibly that's a that's a once in a lifetime fish. I mean, eight. It is eight for Indiana is is really really good if you can catch an eight pound largemouth. I mean, right. I'm not saying that tens and twelves haven't happened, mm -hmm. but um, they're very few and far between. If you can bust eight, you've pretty much got the trophy fish in here in Indiana. But yeah, you know, down south you get uh, you can get into the tens pretty 
I mean, Chickamauga, for example, any right. cast, I mean, could be that 10 pound fish. Really? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. It could happen at any moment on, on Chickamauga. I mean, it's, they're there. You'll catch, yeah. uh, you'll get into a lot of them. Um, I know when we was down there last year, we was kind of in the pre-spawn time mm-hmm. or post-spawn. We was post-spawn. And, you know, I caught probably an eight pound fish size-wise, length-wise, but she had mm-hmm. flattened out from, you know, the spawn and she, she could have been so much more. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the problem is that's the problem is that we don't get them in that right time or for instance, yep. they don't get that bait fish that season then they're all going to be eight to nine pounders. You know, I came, I came pretty close. It was a pretty flat out fish. It was, it was 20, 25.75 inches mm-hmm. and it was nine pounds, six ounces. And I was about 10 ounces short of a double right. digit. And I fished my butt off. I say last year I'd probably hit the lake three to five times a three to five times a week to mm-hmm. try to chase that double digit. And I was only able to catch one nine um, and, and plenty of seven pounders, but just that infamous like 10 pound number is, is just so hard to get. But I don't feel so bad because Butch Brown that I fish, I don't know if you've heard of Butch Brown. Have you heard of him? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not. Butch Brown caught over 400 fish that were 10 pounds to 17 pounds, I believe, or 18 wow. or 19. And uh, he's throwing, he's chucking a HUD almost all the time. Um, adepts to 50. Uh, he, I, I know he throws spinner bait here and there, but not that often. He'll usually throw the bigger baits. Right. But I'm fishing right beside him, and and he only caught two double digits last year. And when I talked to him over at the, the expo, for the Pacific coast fishing show. Mm-hmm. He told me that, you know, it's one of those mm-hmm. cycle years It's on the down cycle, but be sure like after we get all that rain, all those nutrients flowing and all that new cover, that's going to be there in the water. Yep. Those double digits are going to reappear. They're going to, you know, the two years ago, he stuck 24 wow. double digits. So that's he crazy. was like, you don't have to really go anywhere. Just stick with your lake that you have the most confidence in and you will run into a double digit when that, that cycle has mm-hmm. produced more double digits. Now talking about the cycle, is there a time of year when you guys particularly see the bigger fish? I know, you know, from around here, mm-hmm. it's usually pre-spawn. And then, you know, a lot of times you'll see them, uh, starting to get bigger again um, as they strap on the feedback for fall, right. but they're again considerably different weather than what you're dealing with. I mean, you can pretty much fish all year round. So, right? How do those seasons do they break down differently for you guys than they would here in the Midwest where we have the uh, sub-zero weather? Definitely. So last year we did not have any rain. We had very little rain. So mm-hmm. we almost these fish were so confused that. There was no winter time. There was a, it was pretty much fall bite from October or November all the way until spawning happened. Mm -hmm. So our waters don't really dip that low. And it's it almost like you can go out during winter time and it feel like summertime sometimes. It'd be all right. I brush. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, I mean, those Indiana Indiana anglers. I know a few that I met at the ramp from the last national championship, and I mean, they're they're running over at Kentucky with twenty degree weather. They can handle yeah. they can handle cold fronts no problem. And I'm yeah. there. I'm like, I have to get off the water during practice. I'm like, I'm going straight to Walmart <laughs> to pick up some real tree apparel clothes. Exactly. Put on some long johns and some wool socks and, and then try to battle out these bass because I tell you what, we didn't have those cold fronts like we did over at Kentucky. There's something different about Kentucky. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, and it's just a Midwest thing. I mean, these cold fronts, they swoop down. I mean, dude, it's like constant. You know, you yeah. we'll have like three in a week. I mean, it's common. It just happens. I don't know. I don't know how you guys do it. Uh, <laughs> you guys do. It. You just get used to it, man. I just don't. I don't know any other way to put it. It's just like you just acclimate and move on. Like, yeah. It was so today. It was fifty. You know, the weekend it was beautiful, mm -hmm. or no, the a few days before the weekend it was beautiful, and then bam, the weekend hits and it's like eighteen. Oh my gosh! So you know, I mean, when you look at it like that, it's like when it turns 30 it's like i'm good to wear shorts again so are you wearing are you uh, do you wear um merino wool layers no. on the daily basis no dude like come march 1st I've, it's like march 1st is like official shorts season um i yeah there's there's no going back at this point shorts uh, and flip-flops no i'm not a flip-flop guy oh, okay. I, i'm scared of hooks in my feet so i'm not a flip-flop guy i'm oh. a i'm a full clothes shoe guy and since I'm insane. a I'm a pedal guy, I always have the studs in my pedals. Like I get the OG mountain bike pedals, mm -hmm. and I leave all the studs sticking out. So I like to have yep. my shoes on, so it gives a when my feet get wet, I still got traction on my pedals. Yeah, of course. So, but uh, that's awesome, man. So you've won a couple big events out there. Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about those real quick, if you don't mind. All right. So Pro Series, my first win. Okay, let's let's take it back a little bit in time. Uh, at the end of 2021, it was pretty much I was new to the kayak competitions, and right. I would always bubble. I always would. I I tried my best to make it into the West Coast Championship in 2021, but there I'm I pretty much tried to limp in, mm -hmm. meaning that there was only two or three events left in the season. And no one knew about me. No one. No one. Who's like, who's this guy? Like, he's right. in a 106 PDL. Like, he has no motor on his boat. You know, he doesn't have no live scope. Who is this dude? And I kept on failing. I kept on I kept on running into, like, 11th place, just short of, like, the cut to make it in the West Coast Championship. So mm -hmm. I backed off a little bit. I went to the Urban Angler Club. It's just a local friendly club where everybody becomes friends, buddy buddies. Majority yeah. of the time, you know, there's there is sometimes oh, there's yeah, there's you some... know the crap talk and etc. But but I kind of just you know try to keep it positive. And so I fished three Urban Angler tournaments, three in a row. I got top three, mm -hmm. and I was studying my butt off with the graph, fishing new lures. Um, just get getting back in the groove. So I took a step back, went on a club level, 
I told myself if I can consistently get top threes, then I'm cut out to fish the bigger, bigger league, the big boys club, you know? So 2022, I, I made it a point. I made it a point to be like, all right, guys, we're, we're, we're going for broke this year. Right. So I studied my butt off. There was always like a two weeks cutoff point uh, Mm -hmm. for every single tournament. So I would show up three weeks earlier I would scan the whole entire lakes for rock piles and for submerged brush and et cetera. So here comes, here comes San Vicente. I've never been to that lake period in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. So I go, I go out there about two and a half weeks before the cutoff time and I'm just rolling around and I see, I see fish. I see fish everywhere on beds and I'm like, okay, this is two and a half weeks prior to the tournament. If they're on beds right now, they're going to be full blown either post spawn or half, half, half of the bass are going to be on beds. Right. right. So day one of practice, I threw a jerk bait and I'm catching nonstop 13 to 16 inches, almost every 10 casts around the whole entire lake. And I was like, dude, I just can't catch a fish over 18 inches, over 17 inches, because here, 90 inches or high high 80s mm-hmm. will probably get you first place. But if you're catching nonstop 15 inches to 16 inches and you're in the low 80s, you're not going to cash a check. So on day two, I, I I told myself, hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fish deeper and we're gonna find some submerged brush piles back in the coves. And there was a ditch that was a, that was probably backed off by two points over two secondary points into a creek arm. And I saw a mark on my live scope in a ditch. So I cast it out there, a little shaky head. Mm-hmm. And right when it hit the bottom, bang, I set the hook 18 and a quarter. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of the tournament. Right. I'm not going to catch any more fish. I'm just going to, I'm going to put down my rods and I'm going to start marking, marking these marks. So I put down my rod and I mark, mark here, mark there, mark here, mark there. Went around the lake to another protected like cove area with a slow tapering point with submerged brush. And I marked this spot and I, I called it a day uh, by one or 2 PM. I was like, okay, I'm going to go into the water. I'm going to go home. I'm going to re-rig everything. And then take back what I learned from day two and just do that and put down that jerkbait rod because I already knew that was in a winning pattern. Mm-hmm. I was like, that was just a quantity pattern. So tournament rolls up every single, every single brush pile I found that was submerged anywhere from 10 to 25 feet of water. There was a fish just hanging around. They were either, a spawning fish that was spawning in, in 15 feet of water. And, and believe right. me when I say it is when you, when you're fishing San Vicente in California, you can get 10, 15, 20 feet visibility there. Oh yeah. So I, I definitely believe fish do spawn in those deeper areas. Every single drop with the drop shot, I'd saw fish instantly react to my bait and swim right towards that drop shot. All I would have to do is drop it down on them about Mm -hmm. five feet with them within, within that area. And they would just race down and charge at that drop shot bait. So I just hold on 
and I'd fill the weight and I'd set the hook. The first 30 or 40 minutes, I had a limit of like 78 inches. And I was just like, okay, we're just going to do that all day. So every single, every single brush pile I found, I was just dropping on them. Either, either a post-spawn fish that was hugging towards a secondary brush pile mm -hmm. after it had spawning or a spawning fish that was spawning deep. They would be just so charged up that every single fish that I dropped on, bang, caught them, right? Nice. Um, day two rolled up. Day two rolled up. The bite totally changed. All those fish that I had caught were reacting differently, and I couldn't catch the same fish. So I also noticed on my forward facing scope. So I would go down the bank, and I would face my, my transducer to the left if I was fishing mm -hmm. to the right off the bank face it to the left and i would see these random marks out in like 30 feet of water suspending just below the surface right and i was like well these these fish are probably post-spawn ready to eat so i grabbed my 2.8 kitek toss it out those marks the left side opposing facing the bank and every single drop they would just they would just eat that little nice. 2.8 Kitek every single time. And I very rarely reeled my lures those two days. So every mm -hmm. single fish, I'm plucking them, suspending in 25, 30 feet of water, plucking them. And and I got I got kind of riled in the middle of day two. Mm -hmm. I got pissed because <laughs> one of them ate it, swam into a brush pile, broke me off, and that would have been my third fish. Um and I kind of lost balance and I tripped over my seat and I fell in the water and my, my, uh, Mustang life jacket plooped up. Oh yeah. And I was fishing the whole entire day with that puffed up life jacket because I yep. couldn't take it off during a tournament. Nope. But, um, throughout the whole entire day, I pretty much, um, worked on those suspending fish, never gave up to the very last minute. If there's any piece of advice for anybody, on the tournament circuit is you know you don't let up with these guys with the big league you fish your heart out every second of the day you don't let up even if you have 97 98 inches you you chase for that hundred no matter what um if if you're fishing a three-day event maybe you could stop at 99 and and not wear out like a specific spot where you caught that 99 inches but continue to cover new water continue to replicate the pattern and fish your butt off every mm -hmm. single second. And, and that's what I did. I won by a quarter of an inch, um, that, that tournament. And, wow. and the only reason I won it is because I practiced my butt off and I spent every second of the tournament until lines in. And, and still then I didn't even know I had it. Right. You know, that's um, that feeling. was, that was my first pro series. My second pro series was, um, I'll just wrap it up shortly. Uh, it didn't mean as much as San Vicente, but Laura Otai, I won my second pro series. And uh, that was fishing two complete opposite uh, patterns, one on deep rock piles. Mm -hmm. And then one, I came across a magical mat. And, and I tell you what, make sure you write down your your new identifier the night before and don't forget especially on those dual events when there's kbf and american bass going on make sure to write those identifiers the night before and verify because i had the wrong identifier on for one tournament the kbf pro series tournament mm -hmm. all the way till 10 a.m 
So all oh, those wow. fish that I caught first thing in the morning till 10 a.m., they didn't count. Oh, so, wow. So so what I did is wrote down that new identifier. I had my buddy John DMNA right next to me, and he was like, yeah, I have an identifier for you. And I wrote down the new identifier, and I continued to fish. I found this this grass mat about five feet of water, and there was just shad all over the edge of it. Mm -hmm. a shad spawn going on and these bass would be going in and out in and out in and out of that weed edge mm -hmm. and i kid you not like i said again that forward facing sonar i point that thing to the right this time towards the mat and i could see all the fish coming in and out every two casts every three casts i stuck um 79 inches i caught 15 fish probably the size of my two kayaks wow uh probably 24 feet uh yeah 24 feet 24 feet wide grass mat pitch it fish on next cast nothing pitch it next cast fish on this lights hmm. out and then with um with uh 35 minutes to go or uh, hour and 30 i was like okay i have 79 but i need to jump up anywhere and like 83 inches. I need to call one of these 15s. So made it out to a deep rock pile that I fished on day one and uh, first cast on a vertical cover in 18. And that helped me call probably four inches to get, to get around 83, 84 inches and took my second pro series win pretty much after that. Nice dude. Nice. Yeah. So, as you're you're going through you've, you've kind of got the tournament thing going on and mm. now you're seeing kind of you're kind of you're making a shift in a way towards producing quality content i think is the best way to put it um some of your your all of your stuff is is really well done you spend a lot of time on it how important do you feel that is as this sport continues to evolve with the social patterns that we're seeing now, do you feel like content is, is something that you want to pursue deeper than the tournament fishing, or do you feel like you want to really combine those two items? For me, the, the drive is, is always being the most consistent angler in the field. You know, like competition is, is in my roots. I, I just love it. I love competition. And, and for me, that's, that's the biggest drive is always being, you know, always being that guy that always puts himself in contention to win one of these big tournaments, you know, and, mm -hmm. and, and creating content is something that I love too. It's something that I've always done ever since the GoPro um, Hero 2 ever since mini dv tapes were a thing oh, yeah. so i'd i record vlogs back in the days you know with my long hair when i was a younger younger kid and i'd always try to film whether if it was snowboarding cars motorcycles fishing i was always vlogging my stuff back in 2007 i just never continued it like i've like i've done now and you know, taking a step back in my in my normal job and video production. I used to be mm -hmm. an owner of my own video production studio, and I took a step back. Took a step back during COVID, and I examined my life, and I was just like, "Well, 
Like I'm not getting any younger and uh, now's the time to do it. If I'm going to start doing this content creation and it kind of opened my eyes up to, to, to model, you know, like before, before as a video production owner, I never thought about it on the client side. I never thought of right. put them, put my shoes in the client side. And now that I am my own client, I am my own business entity. Now I know kind of like the algorithm and, right. and, and what makes people tune into your video for so long, you know? And, uh, so it actually gave me a different perspective before I was like, let's make this cool video, high quality, let's shoot with an RE Alexa mini. Um, yep. it's like, a $50,000 for you guys that don't know in fishing, what an Ari Alexa mini is. It's pretty much a 40 or $50,000, like Ferrari of, of, of movie production and commercial productions. Right. So, so I always thought of it that way, quality, 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 and what's cinematic and et cetera. What's the right. best lighting. Right. But then now I'm in the shoes of like a client. Now I'm like, okay, what's going to keep these viewers keep on watching what's going to be good for the sport of of, right. of kayak fishing right what's going to keep on people what's going to keep on driving sales for like newport vessel motors jackson kayaks orion coolers motor guide xi3s you know hobie pa14s it's going to be the inter entertainment that's provided through all the social media content oh yeah. what's that guy have why is he rocking the XI3? Oh, he won this tournament. Maybe I should pick up that because that's a useful tool that he's using yeah. to, to catch this fish, you know? So, so I, I kind of combine my two loves for content creation and fishing. And I combine those two together and that's what kind of, you know, drives me to keep on doing what I'm doing. And, um, I don't know, man. I just, I just, I want to, make an impact in someone's life when they watch my video too and encourage them to try to compete at a higher level and and uh just just catch more fish you know that's that's the true goal of it you know and help help the kayak community help the kayak industry uh promote sales but but in the most organic way oh yeah i think um when you talk about the organic way i mean that is showing other people the lifestyle that we all lead as kayak fishermen as anglers mm -hmm. um and, and you know really bringing them and making them feel welcome into our community yes 100 percent. because if it weren't for all those friendly people that i've come across in the kayak community i wouldn't have gone into kayak fishing and uh you know one of them was like shane matos mm -hmm. and i met through youtube and my pedal drive got uh, seized up and he helped me fix that, that pedal drive. And it's, it's the little things that really do count, but it's, it's what YouTube literally helped me build that connection with other kayakers out there. And, and now I have a group that I can always fall back onto and uh, kayak ditch day is one of the groups that I always flock mm -hmm. back to when I had a bad day of fishing or if my kayak has any problems or, I need a rod built, so I need to call up Shane Matos S and M Custom Rods, or my kayak doesn't work anymore. Can I can I take it over to hook a brother up? Like I'm always, you know, 
all my friendly connections in the kayak community through YouTube, through through bass tournaments, man. They've just been so friendly and helpful that, you know, I couldn't do it without them for sure. Yeah, and and they, they continue to grow, I think. And that's that's yep. the cool thing. I mean, you're meeting through your podcast um, that you're doing mm-hmm. on your channel. You're meeting a lot of uh, new new faces and, and getting yep. to put in some time and, and make connections through conversation, which I think will be huge as you continue to move along. Yeah. And I, I was able to meet you, Chad and, uh, yeah. Th- you know, Z, Z pros, Z pros, you know, like, dude, we have hell of a sticks over at Z pro. We got Rolando Nandin that just won yeah. the Hobie BOS event over at Cadillac and it died. I just died inside because I was like, I watched, um, I forgot his name already. Uh, Nolan Meyer. Yeah. His, his video over at Cat and he was chucking day two. He was chucking the chatterbait all day and he was just catching them right next to those cypress trees. And it brought back memories and it, I just <laughs> died inside. I was thinking, man, I wish I made it to that event. I really did. Cattle's like one of, one of the best fisheries out there in, in, Oh man, I, I love that. I love that lake. Yeah. It was uh it was cool. I mean, yeah, the whole we had a couple fired off a few wins there at, uh, on Team Z Pro and that was uh that was cool to see, man. It was uh yeah. it was a good week. I know it had uh, Michael and the guys, the rest of the guys fired up as well. So yeah. it was good to see and it's a uh, it's a great battery. Uh for anybody that's looking for a battery, not to give you a shameless plug on somebody <laughs> that we just happened to both be uh working for but yeah they uh the quality is there you know mm-hmm. two i've got the 30 amp hour dominic's got some bigger batteries than i do um but yeah two two outings uh no charge for me uh running my power pole nav lights and my graph and you know that battery stayed well above 12 volts and you know it's still got power where i could probably go hook it up and get a little bit more time out of it but i probably right. ought to charge it first so your um, so so what graph are you running on your so i run a lawrence elite nine inch screen elite nine so yeah so 30 is like the perfect yeah it's battery and that was the cool thing i think in, in meeting michael as i'm sure he went through things with you he kind of sits down with you and says okay what are you what are you doing with your battery yeah and you know i kind of told him what i was running and he's like okay well this is the battery that you need and right you know, it's, it's, he's just amazingly smart with uh, what he's able to tell you about the battery. He really understands the battery. And I think that's, that's what makes the Z pro battery so special is, is just Michael and his knowledge of the technology. It's good to know that the owner is the P has a PhD in lithium batteries, you know, yeah. that's, that's his passion. You know, he might not be the best angler out there, Right. But he knows what he's talking about. He knows the intelligence of our batteries. And, uh, you know, he hooked me up with, with a 50, a 30, um, and a hundred. And I tell mm-hmm. you what, like these new graphs, we need lithium. We need yeah. the Z pro lithium because I mean, my amp draw on my tenant screen in, in, and I mean, you know it, like everybody's trying to go 10, 12, 10, 12. you know, forward facing sonar, 360 mega live, um, active target. All those have a bigger amp draw and the mm-hmm. new Garmin's that was released, I'd say a couple months back, the new UHD twos, they're all three amp draws. 
yeah minimum so when you run the the when you run the 10 inch or nine inch screens that require a three amp draw and then you run lights and then you run live scope you know be sure you better have like a 50 amp hour 30 amp hour to power them almost individually unless you know you have a big battery like a 30 amp hour and you're running let's say a nine inch screen that has like a two amp draw or less then Mm -hmm. it's safe to say you can add that with a navigation lights and etc but when you get into these bigger tournaments in socal where everybody has active target everybody Mm -hmm. has live scope i'm kidding you not maybe 90 percent of the field has it you better have the right batteries and 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 if anybody has questions at all they can hit me up or they can hit chat up and we can give you our best recommendation but that's that's what i'm running on my boat i run a 50 for my 10 inch my 30 on my live scope transducer um my black box and everything mm -hmm. else i attach to the 50 as well what are you gonna say it really sucks when your power pole gets stuck down too like well really you run out of power and yeah you have to like walk to the back of your boat and try to pull that stake up out of the water Mm -hmm. that sucks so make sure you've got a battery that will last the day and that is um oh you had that experience you had that experience oh yeah yeah i've had that experience it sucks so i mean more power would you i mean you probably recommend it like more power the better more power the better yeah just make sure you've got enough to get through your day and like like you said talking to somebody like michael can can go a long way so uh, you know reach out ask those questions um get fitted yeah exactly put it like kind of like buying a brand new bicycle go get fitted for your bike to make sure it fits you right exactly and your battery and and when you come when you when you go to michael or you go to one of the z pro sales rep teams make sure you just tell them you know what amp draw that you have on your current graph and they'll they'll recommend a battery that will last you all day and maybe two you know because because you know there's there's so many different graphs out there there's nines there's tens and they don't all have the same amp draw like i thought i thought literally i could upgrade to one more inch and get similar battery life compared to a nine inch but i was totally wrong you got to beef up all the batteries yeah and you you just get a few more pixels in, in your screen i mean yeah. That everybody says, oh, I can see just fine. You, it's it's having that bigger screen and having just a few more pixels, I think, yeah. and, and a strong battery to make sure that it is got the power to show you what it needs to show right. you. I, I right. think that goes a long way. And, you know, it's easy to get caught up with, well, I'll just get something cheap that's easy. And that's not always the best case when you're dealing with your electronics. Oh, never. I had a guy in his aluminum boat. He was on the Urban Angler Trail, and he would always return every week his lead acid lead acid battery. He would always go to Walmart, get a replacement every other week. And I told oh, him, "Man, go with this hundred amp hour, and you will not regret it. Going lithium, going Z Pro, you'll not regret going with this hundred amp hour." And he has. He has thanked me so much after that. (laughs) I can imagine. And he's going all day without a charge on his trolling motor on his little aluminum boat. And I was just like, see, that's how (laughs) that's how you fish. Yeah, that's how you're supposed to go. Yeah, that's awesome, though. I mean, that's that's just a good testimony to to the product and what it's about. 
but yeah. um yeah so you're you're creating a lot of content now for z pro and what are some mm -hmm. of the other places that you're working with that you're maybe creating a little content for now on the fishing side um are you saying other social media platforms yeah or so i'm yeah. working i mean i tell you what um what's trending hard is all the reels possible so um oh yeah ig reels uh youtube shorts TikTok, facebook reels even though that you have ig reels there's something about it i talked to one of my social media gurus he was like dude there's something about separating the two between ig and facebook mm -hmm. and and you can totally grab onto as many followers as you can and try to create a lo a loyal following but for me it's 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 instagram and in youtube just because um i know my competition's there and they're doing really well over there mm -hmm. and there's something about having that option to go short or that option to go long right um but what i normally do for instagram is i'll do all my educational reels on ig reels mm -hmm. um, whether if it's comes to a lead or not um what i do before before a big tournament for instance the yakabass Folsom event and then i'll do my recap post so i right. think one of the most important things is to capture photos with friends and new friends that you make on tour um for instance, I'm going to call my series called the Yakabass series, mm -hmm. right? And it's going to be powered by Zipro Lithium. And I'm going to be taking photos just with people that I meet along the way because this is going to be my first full year of fishing with the Yakabass. And I know I met James Snyder the couple days prior, and that was good mm -hmm. to meet him. He was a fellow Zipro um, tournament director over at Yakabass. I also met with friends that i haven't seen in 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 months because i think there was pua i i haven't seen him since the delta but i met him at my first national championship and mm -hmm. he was he was one of the 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 most friendliest anglers that are willing to drive across the country just to compete at a national level and 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 i know we're off going off a tangent here but I always give my California guys that that make the effort to drive across the country to compete at a national level. That's like something that unheard of. And I give all my friends that done that the utmost respect. And, mm -hmm. and I'm rooting for uh, Damian Tao and AJ Ramirez that's going over the Bassmaster Championship from California. Oh, yeah. Let's root for them, you know, a friendly route. I know you got, I know you have your favorites too, Chad, but I, you know, let's. I've not, uh, I've not really looked at the list enough to, to pick a winner for the kayak thing. No. For the kayak championship. No, I, I'm, I'm infatuated with the big boat one. So I guess I, this sounds bad. I've, I guess I've kind of, I guess I've kind of just ignored it and well, not really by ignored it. I've just kind of spaced it out, which is terrible of me to say, <laughs> <laughs> but I've just not thought about it. Um, I would, I would probably, I know Matt balls going, I, I would have mm -hmm. to pull for any of my JK guys that are going, I think, you know, it'd be cool to see um, one of them win. obviously for, I think anybody that wins this event, um, on the kayak side or the big boat side for that matter, it, it really is a life changing experience. So I think, you know, it's, it's pretty, 
it's going to be pretty great for anybody and everybody um, yeah. that's out there and able to compete in the yeah. Bassmaster Kayak Series. Is it's come a long way. Um, Steve Owens has done a great job with that, and seeing it blossom now, um, the photos that always come back from the these kayak events are always pristine and you know it's just my hope that one day we can watch these guys live on tv oh. out there doing this thing and i think yeah i think that's the next big step you know for for kayak fishing um i'm glad that we touching touching base on this subject because i've been talking about this the whole entire time and for those tournaments i know i'm going to create drama here for those away. tournaments that block off the leaderboard by noontime or earlier keep them on because dominic doan as an angler that's rooting for my homie that's over at you know northern california or or the east coast like i want that leaderboard on because it shows me live of what's happening what my friend is placing during that tournament mm -hmm. as soon as that leaderboard shut off i have zero interest in that tournament circuit just because like i want to see that live action going on and and you know mlf and and bass master does a great job of doing that you know i'm tuning in for the first time oh, yeah. i'm tuning in every almost every single day watching dustin connell watching mm -hmm. uh brian thrift um edwin evers chucking swim baits mm -hmm. and it's it's capturing all the drama in the video you know, live for you. So I, I, I definitely would like to see that in the kayak communities. Uh, yeah. Live. And, and I think one thing like being, I, I am more of a Bassmaster fan. I think at the, at the end of the day, mm -hmm. um, having just come back from Ridcrest, I can, I can honestly say this and I, and I don't mean it to hurt anybody's feelings that might watch this podcast later. Um, but Red Crest still has a way to go um, to get yeah. to that level. I think, you know, when Thrift won, you know, everybody knew he won. And when you look at the expo and what we were seeing as people that were invested in the expo, yeah. Thrift's coming up to 100, 200 people mm -hmm. um, to get his trophy because everybody else already knew he had won that event. So it's like, okay, yeah. well, whatever. We don't need to see him get his trophy. We already know he won. Right. Um, not where I think, you know, like the Bassmaster Classic, they they do shut off their bass track at a certain point throughout the day. Yeah. Um, and the live cuts out at some point throughout the day. So you've got kind of this window where anything can happen and it mm -hmm. creates just a little bit more of that drama to get you to come back to the way in. Oh, see. I see. I to see, see who saying. won, to right. see, to see somebody get that trophy, and to actually see that pure excitement. Right. You know, whoever wins the Bassmaster Classic, you're going to see a level of pure excitement when they actually do hoist that trophy because they didn't realize they won un until that moment. One hundred percent. Yeah, I believe. I you know, now that you said that, I can agree with that because um, having a live event on television and just shutting off the leaderboard in the last hour kind of, mm -hmm. kind of allows all those, you know, all those companies that are invested in the event to come mm -hmm. back to the show and announce the winner there just yeah. because it brings a community together physically, you yeah. know, it brings them there. Um, but, 
But what I could see in the kayak tournament is if they hosted live award ceremony on social yeah. media, that would yeah. be something too, is having everybody live at a certain point and then shutting off the leaderboard, maybe within the last hour, mm-hmm. but then having a live award ceremony at kind the end of, of the tournament. That create that drama, create that element of surprise. Cause you know, you've always got those guys that, you know, they sand back a little bit right up into right. the very last minute. So that, I mean, it's just like the guys on, on the Bassmaster series. They, some of them lie. I mean, you know, yeah. you can tell right away. They oh, don't yeah. know exactly how much that fish weighs. They just approximate it, throw it in the oh, box. And yeah. That's a on. three pounder when it's a six or something. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. then they, they come in, it shows them on bass track. They've got like, 18 pounds and then they weigh in they've got 21 so exactly you know there is some fudging that goes on in that space and i think that's it's kind of what makes it a little bit fun for the oh yeah yeah definitely definitely now if we could just if we could actually get these tournaments to where and and i do think that that's the next step as we move forward with kayak fishing i mean Mm -hmm. obviously watching tourney x is like you can mow your yard and watch tourney x because you know you're just going make a couple laps and refresh. I wonder who's doing good, <clears throat> but you know, for guys like yourself, for me, um, and you know, Josh Stewart's Matt balls, any of these other guys out there, I think to truly become a household name at a point, it takes mm-hmm. that, you know, that live TV aspect of it or that live streaming aspect of it to yeah. where you start to form a, visual relationship i guess would be the right because it's not a physical relationship it had it's to be not visual. i mean For, it's no different than somebody watching your youtube channel and and relating to you from that space they've made a connection to you from youtube even though you may not know each other we're just right. not necessarily making that connection through words on a page as much as we would be if it was visual yeah Exactly. And, and I met people over my channel nationally. Like I met Alex Sterling um, and I met, I met Chris Mitchell and they're all different anglers of, of different states. And it's kind of cool knowing that, you know, I have, I have some friends and uh, family all over the whole mm-hmm. entire United States. It's like loyal to my, my channel and I'm loyal to their channel or their Twitch or mm-hmm. their Instagram. Um, and I know I'm a fan of, of Dustin Connell. I'm just going to see it right off the bat. Right on. Because, uh, I, I love watching his channel. I love watching um, Ben Milliken. Um, he's a stud out there. And oh, he, yeah. just, he just proved it to everyone that <laughs> he <laughs> like can show legit. up yeah. and shell out. Yep. Well, yeah. And, and Oliver and I, I mean, he went out and he put up and he did good. If I mean, yep. So, I mean, that was that was cool of him to do uh, when he fished the Bassmaster Opens. You know, they put their eyeballs on him and, and went for broke. Yeah, and I think there was uh, there was Matty Wong. I cashed like yep. 30 to 40 grand over at the Bassmaster Elite Series. So, mm-hmm. I mean, those guys earned it. Those guys earned it, man. It takes, it takes four, three, four, five, six days mm-hmm. to win one of those suckers. I mean, when you, call, when you call elite, those are elite elite guys yeah and i i think you know as we continue to grow as kayak fishing continues to grow in that that elite genre which i mean we do have the hobies we do have the bassmaster open series um and the kbf 
pro events, but the reality is um, Joe Bob with his Pelican can just show up and enter at the same way that you and I can in a lot of ways. So, you know, with that being said, I think eventually we see something where it is, you know, a pro pros uh, world in the kayak fishing. And maybe that's when we see the sport just take another step. Yeah, I, I, I definitely believe that. I always have that talk with my buddy, Chris Cabral. We, he mm-hmm. says there should be a pro pro series and he's tired of losing to the same guys on a national trail, like Russ right. Snyder, Guillermo Gonzalez, Christine yep. Fisher. He's sick of losing money to them. But I told him that the platform isn't there yet for no. those pro series anglers to, to, to come in and, and compete at that higher buy-in and, and to have all those sponsors, it really needs to go live and mm-hmm. the next platform and a non-endemic sponsor like Toyota needs to come in and take that seriously. just because, you know, I see it as that's a whole new, a whole new community that you could target. Yeah. And we're still buying like, gas and we're still hauling boats. Right. Exactly. Still need a car to get there. Still need still a pickup. Get there. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and these, and sometimes you need a launch at, some muddy gravelly area and without all wheel drive or four wheel drive with one of those Toyotas, Chevys or Fords, like good luck. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, you know, I drag a trailer around um, behind me and I wet launch my boats, but there's, but there's still times, you know, I got just picked up my new Kusa X. Mm -hmm. So, and I had a Liska beforehand and I would throw that boat in the back of the truck and we would just, head off somewhere and just drag the boats through the grass to the water and exactly. you know places where you didn't have a wet launch where you couldn't you know where you just needed to drag a little bit and you probably had to, some epic days just dragging your kayak to like hidden some, spots yeah we have had i mean we've got uh we've got a little spot over here uh we call the quarry or the hog farm for that matter <laughs> it's just an abandoned well it's not abandoned anymore they're actually digging around it um it's yeah. a quarry hole and then we've got um you know, a few, uh, river launches up North of us that, um, you know, just a little bit skinnier water where we actually get out and we'll walk up river quite a ways and, mm-hmm. you know, just walk the skinny stretches and float the deep stretches, but we're always paddling upstream and we're the getting to the launch is actually a little bit difficult. And one of them, we've got to kind of lower them down over hill. So there's no way we could wet launch them. So just, truck bed in these smaller boats like the kusa x just makes sense we're gonna have to uh i'm gonna have to fly out there sometime and then you yeah, more. there's a boat here for you i can promise you that <laughs> okay all <laughs> right just is... let me just let me know when's the best time and uh, i'll bring yeah. my gopros rig them up and yeah anytime man i like i said it's it's uh there's always something to do that's for sure um, oh, that's... And, and there's there's plenty of boats laying around here for you to get in one. <laughs> trust me well i'm gonna have to check out one of those either take two rigged with the motors or uh there's one here <laughs> one of those jackson nars you know yep, there's one here so <laughs> you're you're good to go either way there we can even set you up in the bike if you want to paddle pedal whatever you want to do we'll set you up well that take two has gotten me like by <laughs> heart i'm you, like man. that's 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 like that's my that's my dream kayak is a take two rigged up because I believe that is a SoCal killer because Dude. we have all the small ponds that are like open water, 
40, 50 feet. So having spot lock with that, maybe a 70 pound thrust with a 24 volt, um, similar to what Derek Brundle runs mm-hmm. and spearing waves with that and having all that deck space would be awesome. Oh, it's, it's gargantuan on deck space. Yeah. And I mean, I know we got, we, before when I was on your podcast, I hadn't been to, we hadn't officially shown that boat off yet, all completely decked out of yeah. Jameson's. And it was, that was a show killer, man. I mean, like everybody that came by the booth had to stop and look at that thing. Cause it was just, I mean, it was, it was set up efficiently for what he wanted to do. And it was effective because it was simple and it, it's just, it was an awesome setup just because it was yeah. simple and effective. Now I'd have had a bigger screen. I tried to get him all weekend to buy a 15 inch Lawrence and get rid of that <laughs> nine inch and just have like a big TV just right there dead center on that track. Hopefully you're like, one day you're like, you're like one of my homies that have like a 12 inch Garmin, like bigger is better, man. Oh man. I, mean, I just want to, ha- I just want to fish with the best stuff. <laughs> <laughs> need a 15. I'm getting old. I can't see as far. So that's what I yeah. blame it on these days. It's like, I just need a bigger screen. I tell you what, those, those bigger, those bigger ones are like crystal clear, crystal clear. Is that, that, I think it's the HDS live 12 inch is crystal Mm -hmm. clear. The Garmin 126 V is crystal clear. The hummingbird has like a 15 inch, I believe. Mm -hmm. But yeah. What were you going to say? I've, I've actually played with the 15 inch, um, honeymoon hummingbird Mm -hmm. with the, with the 360 and I love it. It, it there's a fond place in my heart for that 15 inch screen with the 360. <laughs> yeah. And I like 360. Run I, it. I, I just, I like 360, man. Are you going to do it? Are you going to make the jump? Uh, I want to real bad. And, and it's, I am, I am trying to talk myself into something and I don't know where I'm going with it, but I feel like with 360, my efficiency goes up. Mm-hmm because I become directional at that point, which I don't know. I guess it's something about seeing it that Mm -hmm. I guess makes me feel comfortable in a weird way, which you can't see any of it anyway. So what's it matter? Yeah, Um, I think it's just more efficient, right? Like efficiency on the water. water. Yeah. Efficiency on the water and castability. Um, I do like the idea live. I do like the idea of chasing them and being able to see them. I also know, where that rabbit hole leads me mm-hmm. severe ADHD where I just sit there and just maybe live there. is maybe lot, maybe 360 is the best bet then it could be, it could be. Mm-hmm. And I, and then there's also the option where you can lay that transducer on its side for a live and actually have that half dome pan right? Um, to do it that way, which has also crossed my mind as well. So I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's on the docket this year and it's just something that i have not 100 percent committed to yet and that's that's ridiculous that i haven't and it bothers me that i haven't but it's at the same time it's like i have to get what i want and i want to it's not like it's going to be the last one i ever buy but for some mm-hmm. reason i'm treating it like it's going to be like the last one i ever buy which is ridiculous oh yeah i mean yeah but like, you're feeling like you're making this like huge life that she's like should i marry her should i not marry her? you know what you do as I made a deal with my girlfriend, is that you say, Mama Bear, I'm going to buy you that $2,000 purse. 
yeah. and then you're gonna go ahead and buy me that two thousand dollar 15 inch screen <laughs> and we're gonna swap and make each other happy like that so we don't have to feel guilty now i will i will confess i've never actually used the garmin i know it's the hot thing right now um mm -hmm. i've always been a lorance or a hummingbird guy yeah and for multiple reasons i just always like those two i feel like i read them better if that makes yeah. sense and hummingbird obviously is the king of the live so you know that could be the that could be the transition or not hummingbird but garmin is the king of the live right so that might be that transition i really it might don't be think, or you I can really maybe don't think i have like three I'm, I'm not going wheeler where i have like all three why don't you go two? i could go two, and i've contemplated that I've contemplated and, just keeping my Lawrence nine and then just adding a live. I don't know if you, do you know Matthew Brannon? Mm, I don't no? think I do. He fishes some of the Hobie circuits, American bass circuits, Yakka bass and et cetera. But, um, he fishes hummingbird in Garmin. And mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't have any sponsors with any electronics, but, oh. but I'll, I'll tell you what having to has crossed my mind multiple times where i think the garmin is elite when it's alive mm -hmm. and uh side scan is okay i think hummingbird beats yeah. side scan yep. um and then what matthew brand says quoted lake view lake lake master on the mm -hmm. hummingbird will give you the most accurate accurate um sonar chart that's and, that's very nautical fair. chart yeah i would agree there i'll go on garmin's nautical chart and it says 40 it says 100 yards out there's a hump out there and i'll run over it and i'm like there's no hump out here yeah right but you go with a hummingbird it says there's a hump in the middle of the lake there's going to be a hump in the middle of the lake yeah and i'd say lawrence sits in the middle there almost yeah. too um, and their their mapping's getting better. C map now that they're using um, has really come a long way. But uh, you know, I I think, I, I think always you hit went it on Lawrence, the dot. dude. I just always went Lawrence just because I felt like they offered the most in a package. If that makes sense, like you've got yeah. I mean, one, all of us were there. All of yeah. us were there. It's like everybody hears the words Lawrence. Lawrence is almost like yeah. Just that saying is like, oh, I have Lawrence's, but. Yeah. It's it's always been catchy since 2007 to me. Like everybody has, I think Lawrence was the standard. You know, made it, it the was. standard. And it's amazing. I don't know where they go from here. I mean, other mm -hmm. than being able to tell me what the difference between a bass and a walleye is underneath the water. Yeah. I mean, obviously the pixels are going to get tighter. They're going to get better. But I think they're next? running. I think they're running two live scopes transducers. Yeah. Yeah, they're running I mean, one to the left, one to the right now. Yeah. Right. And I, I could see where that it's almost like a better live scan. It's a live side scan pretty much. And I've, I've, yeah. I get what they're trying to do. I really do. Um, but it's just kind of like just taking away from rotating the trolling motor and facing it left and then rotating to the well, right. Hummingbird now has the, um, the lock where it'll like if you lock on a fish lock that on transducer the stays on that fish i mean it that like the whole apparatus yeah. moves while your trolling motor right, stays right, on spot right. lock so right. that's wild now here's a question for you like when you're using the live mm -hmm. as i have do you see fish behavior different like as you're setting on those fish 
and you approach them with the trolley motor, can you watch those fish settle or disperse? Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, there's times where if I'm rolling the troll motor too high, they'll mm-hmm. just bounce out. Yep. Right, they'll just flock away real fast. But there's times where I'd creep up on them. I'm literally right on top of them on a brush pile in ten feet of water, mm-hmm. and I can catch them right below the boat. Like I could drop my lure right below the boat and mm-hmm. stick it on, stick one on a brush pile. And I've done that recently with a bubba shot. Um, but there's fish behavior that I've learned that you just can't roll out anymore. There's, you know, at my local pond, there's fish suspending out in 60 feet of water. They're suspending mm-hmm. in five feet of water. Yeah. And I caught, I caught a nine pounder in 60 feet of water suspending right next to the surface yeah. on an A-rig. And, and, and I'm burning, like I'm burning a lure in 60 feet in open water i'm casting as far as it can i'm just burning it where it's just below the surface and i'm catching four and five pounders you know and i'm i'm turning off my live scope once i know kind of generally where they're suspended mm-hmm. i could shut that thing off i could take my kayak and put it on spot lock facing the wind and cast behind my boat and just burn that as fast as i can and catch five mm-hmm. pounders on that and if you telling me would I have done that in 2007 or 2008? Heck no. I was a jig fisherman. Everything right. has to be on the bottom in order to get bit. That's how traditionally way like the way that I oh, caught yeah. fish before. But now this has changed the idea of like fish are not always on the bottom. Mm-hmm. There's the more active fish are going to be schooling up in 30 to 40 uh wolf packs open open yep. water just chasing shad and etc so it has completely changed the way that i fish not just focusing on it but actually pinpointing behavior exactly running where where are they going to be living today because the next day is going to be different and then the next day is going to be different maybe they're on bottom maybe they're suspended right below the surface maybe you know you can't even see them because they're they're deep down in the mud you know? Yeah, I think that's probably the most sound advice that you could give anybody is it's a tool that's teaching you more about the fish. You're learning how that fish reacts. I right. think if anything, like I said, you're going to come away with a better understanding of the species that you're targeting. Right. If there's a science behind it, you know, there's yeah. it's not just, you know, we're kind of like studying the fish pretty much yeah. and, and trying to develop a pattern. Now, if I told if I told some kid over at um, uh, let's say Lower Otai or something like that, Clearwater mm-hmm. Reservoir, just go ahead and drag a jig. You're gonna catch fish, right? Oh yeah. But totally I true. probably w- I probably wouldn't tell that guy that because that's that's pretty much like good luck doing that because that's not gonna be the bite most of the time. Yeah. Now, now that I have live scope, I could tell people like how fish are positioned, you know, what to look for mm-hmm. and, and actually tell someone the honest bite because I've studied the fish with the electronics that I have mm-hmm. versus, oh, you're just going to get bit with a jig. Well, that's not always true because, you know, some of our SoCal fisheries, we don't get like bit like a jig like we do over at um, Clear Lake mm-hmm. or the Delta or... um I don't know what other lakes Paris with rock piles, like some, sometimes grass fisheries, you're just not going to get bit by a jig as much as a, a fluke, a drop shot, a 
underspin, a spinner bait, a chatter bait, mm-hmm. and et cetera. Honestly, I'm going to tell the guy after looking at live scope for eight or 10 hours, and I'm going to tell him exactly where they're going to be at mm-hmm. and tell him to fish in the water column up in the water column or fi- tell him to fish on bottom, you know, but secretly does your heart want to throw the jig? Uh, if there's a, if, if there's a bite, do you want to flip it in a nasty brush pile? Yes. It's okay. I mean, yes. If, if, (laughs) if the bite is in, I have a rule. If the bite is in less than three feet of water and it's all on rip wrap and chunk rock, Mm -hmm. I want to pitch that jig in there and I want to feel that thump, you know, or a lay down like for sure. And then you just. I mean, it is the hook to set on. Like, if you want to set on anything as hard as you can, it is going to be a jig. Yeah, the rod just bends, it stops, and then it's just yeah. like on. It's just it's monumental. Yeah, that's the fast loading lure as you can get. You know, it is just that straight <laughs> up and down hook set, and just yeah, it's it's awesome. I think the only thing that comes close to that is fishing a frog, though. I would have to say that the Bama rig is probably the most vicious hit that I have felt. Really? The Alabama rig? I, I feel like it is, yeah. I, I feel like it is like because yeah. I mean, I don't know. Carolina rig's pretty cool too. But like I don't know, there's just something about the aggression that one puts on an Alabama rig, especially when they first started to appear heavily. Yeah. And you got that first bite on it. It's just like, I can't get over the first time I ever caught a fish on the Alabama rig because it was so vicious. Would you, do you always have it tied on almost every single tournament after the ice melts? No, not like I used to. Um, No, I'll throw a lot more singles. I'll throw a lot more single swim baits and, you know, obviously everybody throws. Yeah, spinner baits, chatter bait. And I'll kind of go that way. I should have it tied on more. Um, but I just, I don't know why I just don't tie it on. Like I used to, it's not always there. Like it should be. You gotta, you gotta pick it up, man. Because I tell you what, at Folsom, at Folsom during tournament day, there was one brush pile and I was casting it on the right and left side of it. And I'm literally bring it to my boat and get two feet of visibility or less. Mm -hmm. And I bring it next to my boat and I see him following my A-rig right next to the bow of my my boat. And he just hits it right. Yep. First keeper cast right to the left of it. I'm bringing it close to my boat. And then my boat is going in the opposite direction. It's going in a way where I don't want it to go. So mm. I click my motor. And by that time, my, my, I finished with my retrieve. My bait's just hanging down right next to the side of my boat. And I turn off my motor and I look to the right because I'm about to run into the bank. Right. Mm-hmm. I look to the right and my raw literally just goes. Dunk. Hit it right at the boat, dead sticking oh an A rig. It's wild. Like you gotta whip it out. You gotta whip it out. I need to hang it up like a chandelier and catch some fish. So, dude, there's nothing. There's nothing quite like it. Now here, we can only have two hooks on the A rig. So I think that's one of the things that slowed me down here was just that two hook rule because it's like, dang it, don't even worry about five. it. Don't even worry about it. You know why? Because most of the oh, time the- they're. That's the back two or three hooks. Yeah, it's the back two or three, the one that's dotted up. Yeah. And that's a conversation we had uh, over, we we called it the podcast truck ride um, to Redcrest every day. We we talked a lot about color and and the Mm -hmm. A, you know, 
a couple of people said, ah, color doesn't really matter. You know, there's, you know, use this color, that color, whatever. But then at the same time, you think about the A-Rig and you go back to the teachings of the A-Rig and nine times out of 10, they're going to hit that one that's got that little chartreuse dot or the one that's just a, it's a different color. Yeah. 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 Well, I think, I, you know, and then you look at Great Lakes Smallies and, and, you know, the Zona show, uh, for example, they get out there and they throw that Strike King, that siren color of fluke that's, or Ned Rig that's just like mm -hmm. absolutely like the gaudiest looking chartreuse you've ever seen in your life. Oh, really? And you and can see it from a it? drone. Yeah. The smallmouth yeah. just tear it up. So color oh, really? has to matter. Yeah. Little, I don't yeah. know what they see. I can't ask I, them. To, I can ask them. They just don't tell me. I think it, it matters with water clarity too. It you does. know what I mean? Like it, I think, I think color matters when it's like, does it pull a fish out of a brush pile or not? Yeah. You know, in murky water and et cetera. If it's ultra clear, I'm more comfortable throwing like a Vashad translucent color. But if it's super muddy, I would throw chartreuse or uh, white. With mm -hmm. maybe like a few natural shad looking baits on the back. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean when they eat it, they eat it. They'll take three they'll take three um swim baits in their mouth right. at a time. Yeah. They're not looking just for one shad. Sometimes they're looking for like two or three shad yeah, at a time. How many they can get at a time. Yeah, and exactly. I, I think if I was dealing with the, the muddy water that you guys are dealing with out there in California right now, I would probably just be on the bank throwing the Jeep. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I would have to. It's just law. That's just, it's just law. Stay you know, law. that's. I think that's the downside of live scope <clears throat> is that when you have live scope, sometimes you're always busy searching for fish mm -hmm. that just don't want to bite, and then sometimes slowing yeah. down is the key. Is throwing a is throwing a jig, some at some brush piles or or rock piles. Like that was my problem during this past tournament is that I didn't find that secondary pattern that that actually would hold up throughout the whole day, mm -hmm. right? Um, because of that muddy water and that jig, my buddy caught one more fish than I did, and and it really helped him out to bump up. But it's one of those things I think in a tournament is that you have to have enough water to cover mm -hmm. to find that consistent bite, even though you, you found do. the fish doesn't mean there's going to be a whole lot of that particular structure you're going, that you're going yeah, you're, for. Yep. You're going from stump to stump to stump to stump. Yeah. Now, now here's a, a here's a theory that my good friend Marcus laid to me, and I'm going to throw it at you. With all these guys now, big boat, kayaks, whatever, a lot of them, there's, I mean, with the sales at Bass Pros and everything that's gone on, there's a whole lot of people running live scope that wasn't. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that as a lot of these people gravitate offshore to where we've all been all these years fishing offshore stuff that fishing the bank's going to get better. Like he he's Marcus totally believes that like, okay, I'm bank fishing and mm -hmm. everybody else is out here. They're all out here floating around chasing yeah. a ghost. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to bank fish. Right. These fish ain't been hit on all day. My take on it. It is. I think it is good for bank fishermen and the bank. I think there's always fish on the bank, right? Oh, I don't yeah. think it's always going to get around. better, right? I just think that it will split the field up that will fish more offshore. And then the other field will fish towards the bank, right? 
Yeah, because there's always going to be that old timer that's like, I ain't doing that. I'm if I can't see it, I ain't going to throw at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I think I think it'll work half and half. Let's just put it this way, you know, like for instance, Redcrest that just happened. You just came from there. Yep. It was one all shallow. It was run all one all docks and shallow oh, yeah. because the fish have moved up. You know, there's times yep. where. I'm going to turn that live scope off. I'm going to pack up my live scope transducer. I'm going to put it away in my Airbnb. And I'm all going to do is throw a wacky rig single all day. Yep. There's going to be times like that. Right. There, but then, Go ahead. Say it again. No, I'm just saying definitely. I, I, that's yeah. 100%. Yeah. But then there's times where like, I have to have that live scope hooked up because I know there's 30 or 40 fish wolf mm-hmm. packed together that are anywhere from three and a half to seven pounders and they're going to give me 92 inches at any given point nope there was a tournament that if i didn't have that live scope the way the how fast they were moving from shad to shad ball in 60 feet of water i could not keep up with them and i couldn't target them if i didn't have live scope and running motor at three 3.8 miles an hour because I had to go a hundred percent to chase mm-hmm. those bass. And every time I catch one, they would disperse, they would go down to the bottom and then mm-hmm. they go back up and then they c- collect themselves as a wolf pack again. And they'll start attacking sh- shad from all the way from one foot of water mm-hmm. all the way down to 30 to 40 feet down. So like I could see them visually, visually attacking shad from all, all the way down to the depths to 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 the surface and not only that another thing that i've learned with live scope is that you could follow a shad ball 200 yards mm-hmm. 200 yards the same shad ball and it's almost acting like there's a shad ball going down a freeway and then down the freeway there's these big old buses that come by and they just <laughs> rail the shad ball yeah like so i followed the shad ball for 200 yards and it would catch fish on that shad ball with bass chasing that shad ball from mm-hmm. random spots across that bank. And mm-hmm. I would just run down that bank, keep on following them, keep on following them. And I tell you, I'd catch maybe 85 inches, no problem, just doing that method. Nice. So there's there's both there's there's times where you need that tool, and there's times that you should pack it up because it ain't it ain't gonna get you anything. Yeah, I, I think that's gonna always be the case yeah i mean with anything i mean you have to learn to evolve to the conditions that are out there and if you exactly. can't do that then you're you're always gonna you're always gonna start you have to go out there and have an open mind you got to be yep. able to learn new things as you go sometimes you got to learn them on the fly exactly and that ain't always the that ain't always the best or the most fun way but <clears throat> you're gonna be a better fisherman because of it yeah you're gonna have some tools just like well, everybody dude, does. <clears throat> we have crushed this thing out to about an hour and a half. So yeah. I know you've got somewhere else to be. Um, yeah. I'm going to let you thank the people that you need to thank. Yeah. Tell them where to find you on the social medias. And uh, yeah, we'll close this thing out. <clears throat> All right. So I'd like to thank Chad Brock uh, foremost for inviting me and inviting me on his platform to extend my reach to you guys. Um, I want to thank Z pro lithium this year without mm. them. None of this would have happened. I would not be on the Yakabass tour, uh, new series. So keep a look, look out for that. It's going to be called the Yakabass series. Um, I'm going to be fishing a couple of their events and I'm going to try to put out the best content P 
period um possible that that's in my capabilities uh, i want to think about i want to think s s and m custom rods hook a brother up for rigging my kayak um orion coolers um z pro again my girlfriend that uh, allows me to go four or five days without seeing her throughout the whole entire week to practice for these tournaments and just uh everybody that supported me you can you can support me by either subscribing or following me on instagram you can find it by double digit angler on youtube or instagram you can also find my page on facebook with double digit angler as well but yep that's all that's all that i have all right man well obviously shout out to orion coolers pick you up a orion cooler course series cooler jacksonkayak.com if you need a fresh new kayak checks out jacksonkayak.com find your <clears throat> excuse me local jackson kayak dealer and go get in a dealership take a test drive whether it's a Jackson or any other boat. Heck yeah, check out that take two. Go yep. check out that take two take or two, that NAR, Jackson NAR. Yeah, um, those two. The Bite FD. Just check them yep. all out. Fine. There's a butt for every seat at your yep. local Jackson kayak dealer. Um, obviously, Basco. Thanks for the swag, Basco. We appreciate you. Z Pro Lithium. I know Zach's not here, but Z Pro Lithium is keeping us powered on our <clears throat> filming and uh photography adventures this year and we are stoked about that happy to be working with the folks over at z pro so with that being said we will see you guys uh thursday night for a brand new episode of jackson kayak doc talk right here on the i guess we're going to call it the jackson kayak podcast network throwing it out there it's what it is now <laughs> anyway <laughs> we will see you guys on the next one be good all right see you later guys <laughs>